Greetings and welcome to What's Wrong With Wolfie. My name is Jason. And I'm Rich. And I'm Chris. And this time it's Video Games of 1993. Quite a few big games that was released in this year that kind of changed the way in which the video game world went went from it was to where it kind of is now. These kind of games influenced... The, the gaming world so much that even, like I say, today, we still kind of feel it. And I think one of the biggest games that, that were released in this year, and which wasn't, which isn't one of our picks, surprisingly, and that was Doom. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Doom, what, what kind of memories does Doom bring up to you guys? Um staying around my cousin's house they had it on their their PC and I'd never heard of Doom because obviously this is like pre-internet you know and mm-hmm. I just remember going oh what is this and my uncle I remember my uncle Clive said well uh, you're on Mars and there's monsters and you shoot them and you try and survive and you go for these different stories and stages and I'm just like that's for me <laughs> as a nine-year-old kid. <laughs> that would be fantastic. It's the perfect game for a nine-year-old. Oh, it's just amazing. I think for me, the thing that stood out was really the fact that it was on a PC. I mean, yeah. I was at the time just, all I knew about video games was a um, Commodore Plus 4 and a Mega Drive that I could call my own. And... Again, I think it was around a friend's house and seeing Doom on this personal computer, which is something mm. up until that point I'd only really pissed around playing um, Block... Was it? What was that game called? Like Block Breaker or something? Missile Command? And then uh, mm-hmm. just playing around with clip art in paint. And that was <laughs> yeah. personal computer so- for me. Solita- like, solitaire and Minesweeper that everyone pretended how to do. Yeah, no one knows. No one knows how to around. play mine- Minesweeper. No. You just click the boxes and... Uh, <laughs> I was always yeah. confused by Minesweeper. And yeah, just seeing Doom for the first time and trying to figure out how um, A, W, S and D could maybe oh, yeah. move backwards yeah. and forwards, left yeah. and right, was uh, <laughs> yeah. like, what the fuck? Um, but yeah, it was just revolutionary. I mean, seeing those kind of like 3D environments, the really like nice, fast mm. and floaty controls, it mm-hmm. just, it wasn't, anything, it wasn't like anything I was used to at the time. And obviously the fact it was kind of, a bit mature as well. I mean, you're watching, you know, demons getting just blown mm-hmm. apart with a shotgun and then the chainsaw say no more. Yeah. Oh. And there's a bit of gore, isn't and, there? And, the, yeah. and the, when the minigun comes out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, for me at the time, that was like, you say minigun to me, I'm thinking that bit from Predator and now here I am. Yeah. You know, spinning those barrels in a video game, <laughs> watching a demon just turn to pulp. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I was yeah, over the moon. Was exactly. Like, this is exactly. And um, yeah, and there's just so many. Obviously, you've got lots of iconic sounds. I mean, I think outside of Star Trek, Doom's got the most iconic door sound. Oh, yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. and the music, you know, it's just so cool. And yeah, it was just badass. It was everything like, yeah, us boys at that age wanted. And I think it predated. Obviously, you know, as time went on, I started picking up things like um, GTA and that. And but this was like the yeah. first time I played a video game that felt like you know, I should be playing it. This is yeah. almost like a video nasty yeah. in a way. Yeah, and uh, that's obviously very appealing. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's um, 
it was definitely an experience. I never managed to play it until it came out on the Super Nintendo, where my where my friend had bought it for his console, mm-hmm. um, and I just played it when we went around his house. But like everything you said about it, yeah, it was just just never seen it before, and like all the secret areas, no. um, you know, literally just like walking sideways across the wall, pressing the button, hoping that one of them was just going to um, slide open to to show you a secret area with some armor or some more ammo. Mm. Um, I always remember that about it. But Rich brings up the music, but then it didn't need a lot of music either in, in when you're actually playing no, the level, No, it was did it? so atmospheric, because you're... The, the way the sort of 3D environment was done, you're enclosed, <coughs> 360 degrees. Hmm. Like, you're just... You're in there. You're fully in that game. So the, the, the I suppose the fear factor and claustrophobia alone was enough that you create yeah. your own head music in your head in a way just it, by... No, I was just going to say, because the fact they're quite open areas, but like you said, mm. the whole claustrophobia, there's something about the sound design in it as well, because the music was quite, obviously the music was quite relentless, but it was quite, it felt, even though it was really, really cool, it, the music felt quite understated, and I found that when you were in environments, when you used to hear the growl in the distance of like a demon, mm. yeah, and the way the sound travelled in the game, it, made, it created a sense of claustrophobia, because you knew something was yeah. near. And it kind of, like with Resident Evil, it just made your hair stand up. You thought, oh Christ, thanks <laughs> yeah. nearby. It's either mm. coming at me, it's behind me, it's down the corridor to my left. And yeah, that really kind of gave it the horror factor. It, it did make it quite unnerving. I was never scared by Doom, but yeah, it was it was the first time I was unnerved by a game, which was quite cool. Yeah. Quite a cool feeling. I think I was always just annoyed when I, when I heard the noise of the guy with the shotguns. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, not those people yeah. again. Yeah. Or the, just... um, the the one-eyed tomato <laughs> yeah. monster. It just... It, it, every time someone says Doom, I'm instantly transported to that small house in, in London on, you know, you eat, my mum would take me and my brother up for a week to stay with our auntie and uncle. And I just... It's that memory of... You know, you're sitting in the kitchen where their computer was at the time. Now, my uncle was a computer programmer. And I think it was my first experience seeing computer games modded by previous owners of said software that my uncle may or may not have lifted from <laughs> from one of the networks uh, where he used to work. And this was in the early 90s, possibly mm. mid-90s, where you'd, you'd go on, you walk around the, um, the maps and there'd be a message on the wall that someone's obviously modded because it had people's God. names on it. You know, I and this. it was it was only when I got older and you, I was in sixth form playing like Counter Strike, <laughs> right? Yeah, I know this. I know that, this. <laughs> that I realised, hang on a minute, my uncle got that through other means, and someone else has modded this, and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Like, and he's like, yeah, only when I got older I realised that it was a modded version. Obviously, it was only like pictures and like my uncle's friends you know names on the walls <laughs> so many memories of playing and I was uh, just like oh my god this is just amazing <laughs> so many memories of playing uh, Team Fortress against the IT teacher and just putting Mr. Sherrod as a twat on the wall it was a good time just yeah. hearing him shouting from the next room who did that yeah. I was like yeah or a cock it was great it was fantastic yeah. <laughs> marvellous stuff I just love memories it. and just playing Doom was just like yeah and like again it was my first we because me we'd never had a PC because my dad had left at this point so we didn't have the cash for my mum to go and spend a few hundred quid on a PC so we only had 
sort of hand-me-downs. So whatever my uncle had <coughs> used used the year before, he reformatted and put some software on it for me and my brother because, you know, he's like that. So we never... It was kind of a novelty. We went to this, you know, house in London and there's this big clunky yellowing computer sitting there with, yeah. you know, <laughs> like the ta- the Tung brand or the, you know... <laughs> like proper Tate old on, school geez. stuff and uh, yeah just memories like that and floppy disks and a big you know massive plastic thing and it's just like yeah memories right. of doom god bless the, the old god bless the old personal computer brands and this is before tiny, you tiny yeah, and this is before I believe doom was before uh, you could sort of move around with the mouse and shoot so you couldn't just strafe with mm. the keypad and fire with spacebar and pointer and click with a mouse. It was all keyboard commands. Yeah, I, I never really Sorry got on with that. that. I mean, we're spoiled nowadays with PC gaming. I yeah, I only yeah. started playing on Steam for the first time. Uh, I've not end of that. last year, and from straight to the Xbox controller. I'm not touching <laughs> this yeah. and keys for love nor money. Yeah, I think I got quite, I think I got quite um, used to it in the end because I remember. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is a few years later, but like when Unreal Tournament got released on the yeah. PC, and I played mm-hmm. quite a lot of that on the PC at the time. Um, so I think, although from what I can remember, I defaulted my controls away from the AS, um, mm-hmm. well, then once and just put it on the arrow curs- cursors, just to yeah. make it more simple for myself, because it's, it's just a simple man. Well, it's funny so, that you should mention using the Xbox controller. I remember, does anyone remember it? I've actually I must have got it in the loft I think it was a game called No One Lives Nobody Lives Forever or mm-hmm. No One Lives Forever I oh, was yeah. that the um, kind of like 60s 70s yeah. kind lady, of like the ancient, Lady Spy one isn't it yeah and I remember that game that was an I, awesome game that was cool. I picked it, it up in was it HMV and it was on sale and I was like oh, this, is, this looks quite cool I've seen reviews for it and I was like I'd give it a go and I love it to this day it's like again we're like perfect dark and golden eye I have these memories with them and it was just amazing. You'd go through like 60s Japan. Such a good game. I'm not remembering so much be, now. I love that game. You'd, you'd be stealthing <laughs> your way through, you know, rice paddies and stuff, taking out people with bow and arrows and knocking them out with like. And you had like the. It was basically a female James Bond game. And yeah, pretty much. All these kind of like real stylized, kind of Austin Powers ish universe yeah. based in the 60s. And it was just great. And this is, again, a tangent. I remember I went back into Canterbury and Electronics Boutique, I believe, was there at this point. We're looking at what, late mm-hmm. 90s, early 2000s? Yeah, yeah I think so. And I bought a uh, um, control pad for a PC because I got fed up of using the, again, like Rich said, using the keys and key mm-hmm. commands and sitting hunched forward. And I was just like, I think I spent like 40 quid on this, like, you know clear plastic um, gamepad and I'd never used a gamepad on a PC and I was like this is, this is fucking nuts <laughs> you know you think yourself I'm playing a PC game with a, a control pad it was crazy my little teenage brain couldn't comprehend it this was like world changing <laughs> and now you can just sync your Xbox controller up to your PC and yep. fine. you can sync your Xbox controller to your iPhone now oh really? yeah I haven't, I haven't got an Xbox yet so yeah come awesome. on join the party join the party yeah Oh well, Series at some X, point. Series X. Speaking of modern consoles, has anyone been playing Doom recently? I mean, I've got every single version no. on the Switch <laughs> no. at the moment. I've got Doom one, Dooms one, two, three, um, <coughs> Final Doom, Doom sixty four. Yeah, I've yeah, got it's crazy. I've got, I've got all that as well. 
uh, I, I, I did play Doom 1 for quite some time, um, but I've not touched 2 or 3 or 64 yet. Um, but I've played a lot of the 2016 Doom. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Doom Eternal? Nah, it's too much crap attached to that. Yeah, I, I, like have, I haven't, I haven't not gone. I don't think there. I've played a Doom game since probably Doom sixty four. Oh man, Doom twenty sixteen, Doom um, three as well is fantastic. A very underrated actually, game. Maybe I might have done the demo on Xbox three sixty. Yeah. Um, when they did the, they did a remaster or remake or similar, didn't they? Yeah. Maybe, maybe I dipped my toe into that. I I can't remember. It was yeah. Long ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, good old Doom. Always be with us. Hopefully they'll. Um, mm. Hopefully they'll bring out some um, some more that might not be so much Eternal and more 2016. Yeah, and yeah. speaking of Doom, I still have not seen the movie with The Rock fully. Oh well, you're not missing much, I don't think. I, I Dexter I, Fletcher as well. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. God, Dexter <laughs> Fletcher. God bless him. <laughs> Yeah, I've I tried watching that film I think once after work after like a twelve hour shift and it was on Netflix I think and I I fell yeah. asleep and then I tried what I caught it on TV maybe four years ago and I was like oh I'll, I'll give it a go it's been on for like ten minutes so I'll be fine fell asleep and I've never bothered <laughs> to try it since it's <sighs> whatever yeah. yeah it's just one of those films that exist because it exists <laughs> first person sequence is kind of fun even if a little hokey but yeah it just uh, don't watch Doom Annihilation. That is abysmal. Like so <laughs> bad. Like it makes the first film look respectable. It's so so mm. offensively bad. Like just in terms of filmmaking. Never mind. Is it a good Doom yeah. film? It's a piece of I shit. Mean, it's so bad. Yeah. Speaking of like the, the whole first person gamer shoot, like film shots. Like someone said to me a few years back, watch Hardcore Henry keep meaning to I've never yeah. seen it but when you said that it instantly reminded me of yes it's a really bad film but Die Another Day when they did that whole virtual reality thing and <laughs> don't speak it, ill of Die Another Day <laughs> I will always speak ill the best, of Die Another the Day the best Bond film right are you being but serious Rich the, no the, <laughs> thank God for the, that the best what, Bond film distributed by 20th Century Fox so yeah okay. <laughs> but what they did well was the first person shooter where it gave you a taste of what a James Bond game could be when they put the camera behind Pierce's shoulders and followed him through MI6. Look it up. Oh, in, that. Okay, I remember. I remember obviously, that it was it was done, obviously, as part of the virtual reality, but the way they pulled off the first-person first shooter following his gun around and following him as he takes cover and picking these people off to get to M's office, it's mm. still some of the best, like, two or three minutes of a modern Bond movie. It's just shot really well. It is cheesy in context now, but... It was done quite well, and I must, the, rest, um, the rest of the film, yeah, don't bother with it. I must, I must pat you on the back, Chris, for making our conversation turn from Doom to James Bond. Very good. Yeah, yeah. that's that's that skill right there. It could, it, <laughs> my 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 brain works on a six degrees of separation on a constant basis. <laughs> that's why you're on here. Uh, yeah, a tangent tangent cam or tangent mic just turn into the there next, you go. next mic. Um, what I forgot to say at the beginning of the of the episode was that um, we've we've ditched the music, we've screwed it up, <coughs> chucked it in a bin. Um, we we felt like we wanted to concentrate more on video games, especially as we get further on deeper into the into the nineties, mm-hmm. um, because obviously where we're getting a bit older at the time, but more things are 
coming from our memories and influences from from that world. Um, so goodbye music, but hello for a whole episode of video games. So um, what we're going to do is we're going to have a look through a, a top 10 of the video games of 1993 um, and then I've got a little game to play and then we've got our picks for the to end the episode on someone stolen Susie's trio trio I want a trio and I want one now <laughs> great we lost not one not two but three things in that this chocolate and biscuit and the toffee taste too I'm getting too old for this stuff man trio incredibly trouble tasty so Shall we um, shall we have a look at the top ten of nineteen ninety three, guys? Let's. Yes. Mm-hmm. Are you excited? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <I'm... laughs> oh, Very someone excited. Ch- someone changes batteries for God's sake. Yeah, no, right. So this is this is the um, this is the top ten from the eighteenth of December of nineteen ninety three, and in tenth place we have Zelda with Link's Awakening on the Game Boy. Okay. Uh, at number Low. nine, um, this this may, this game may have already been out for six months. Um, where well, obviously it might have charted higher. I hope so. Um, number nine was Nigel Mansell's World Championship on the Super oh, Nintendo. Yeah. Do you have memories of that one, Rich? Never played it, but okay. Nigel Mansell. Um, I remember <laughs> speaking ledge. to one of my friends, Mark, about this, and he, uh, he was a friend of the show, and mm-hmm. yeah, he has lots of good things to say about this game. Um, all I remember is it's apparently very, 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 very nerdy and technical. So you're looking at things right. like um, your fuel levels and yeah. water temperatures, and it's like loads, loads of different readouts on the screen. It's quite yeah tire. heavy in simulation, even for a game at that time. Um, tire, tire wear and all that, is it? Yeah, it's... Yeah. That sounds it's, a bit too heavy. I'll a lot of the stuff you'd expect nowadays, which I, I love, but I think at then, at, during the 16-bit era, it probably would have given me an aneurysm trying to <laughs> manage all that. <laughs> I, just yeah. want, I just want a power slide and, you know, hit the checkpoint. That's all I want to do, so... Okay, at number eight, we have Street Fighter Two, the special championship edition on the Mega Drive. So this was the one that... Um, this was the first Street Fighter 2 game on the Mega Drive, I believe, wasn't it? I love it's the first Street Fighter 2. Like, mm. like, that series is weird. There's so many different <laughs> yeah. Street Fighter 2s. Uh, did you own the copy at all? Mm, I've never owned a Street Fighter. I think I rented oh, okay. one from the corner shop. Uh, yeah. I've it. never uh, owned a Street Fighter. No, fine. I never really, I'm, I've never really been much of a fine game person, so no. Street Fighter doesn't necessarily register much with me. Um, I remember um, playing it with my friend, uh, a bit like with Doom, but he was so much better than me. He could actually pull off the move, the special moves, and I couldn't, and so he just freshed me every time, and it was not a fun experience. So I think maybe I mean, that's like mentally lodged in my brain to, to not want to play beat-em-ups, but I'm not really into those either. So, But I just remember it being, obviously, it was such a big thing for the, for the Mega Drive to get a Street Fighter 2 game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. I just think the most that series resonates with me is like Guile's theme. That's about it. When sure. it became quite a meme. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, number seven, Sonic Chaos for the Master System and the Game Gear. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, number six was Mario All-Stars for the Super Nintendo. Yeah. Number five was Sonic Spinball for the Mega Drive. Good game. Good game. Underrated game, you think? Because a lot of people didn't really like it. Oh, obviously, though, I'm saying that, and it's at number five in the top ten, but... Yeah, it's... 
I played it kind of somewhat recently. Um, it's fine. I, I never really cared for it a lot. I think of the it's the lesser of the two Sonic spin-offs. I mean, I've got much more love in my heart for um, Doctor Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's fine. But it's yeah. fine. It was a bit of fun, wasn't it? The visual style was kind of weird as well. I'm sure it was quite a departure yeah. from what we'd seen previously. I don't know who developed it again, if it was done properly kind of in-house or if it was kind of... It wasn't like themed on like the normal like Green Hill Zone kind of nah. colours and things like that, was it? It was kind of a lot yeah. darker, wasn't it, from what I yeah. remember? Yeah, yes. Odd. Yeah, it was Odd. a bit funny in that sense. But uh, Number four was Jurassic Park for all of them, all the systems. Yep. <laughs> were you a Mega Drive or a SNES guy when it came to this game? Because they were obviously very, very different games. A Mega Drive. Um, I still have both. Yeah, had that real Upstairs, flashback somewhere. feel to it. So. Yeah. What was yeah. the um, what was the difference between the Mega Drive and the Super Nintendo? Can you remember? Mega Drive was basically like that sort of scrolling, scrolling like um, platform that goes from one frame into the next, kind of like flashback, that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the SNES one was like a top down, but it had some first person shooter elements oh, okay. as well. Yeah, it went proper like, um, what do you call it? That bloody technique they use for the SNES again. Um, mode 7, kind of yeah. yeah. three quasi-3D right. first-person shooter sections with Raptors. Which right, was, I see. Yeah. But I think I, yeah, for me, the Mega Drive version stands out more. The bit when the T-Rex, heads pop, the T-Rex head pops out yeah. is, like, terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I haven't turned... Mega Drive or SNES on for a fair number mm. of years at the moment but I still have them but I always remember being absolutely I don't know if it was me being a kid but I remember that when you when you play as the Velociraptor on the Mega Drive version he mm. walks and his head bobs perfectly yeah. in sync to the music and I don't know yeah. if that was just me or it was intentional by the developers but I was just like okay that's weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and it does it just bobs its head perfectly to the beat of that really sort of a you know, MIDI kind of music. <laughs> yeah. Are, yeah, great, great little games. Uh, number three was Mortal Kombat. Oh, yeah. Now you're saying, Mortal Kombat. you're saying you weren't much of a beat-em-up guy, but was you a Mortal Kombat guy? Yeah, it's Mortal Kombat, though. I mean, it upset people, which is always fun. Um, yeah. Of course, it brought, <laughs> it brought a, a, a hell load of controversy, obviously, with, with, with the, uh, the gore and the blood and the fatalities. Yeah. And everything like that. But yet again, I mean, it's very much of the time, isn't it? Where one system had one version and the other system had a completely different one. Where you were saying about Jurassic Park and then there was like Lion King, Aladdin. Yeah. um, Those kind of games. And then Mortal Kombat, obviously, Nintendo being Nintendo, didn't want any blood in Mortal Kombat. So that's what you got. No blood in, in the Super Nintendo. But obviously, Sega wanting to be more, you know, the grown up and trying to attract people away from, from Nintendo went... Yeah, go on, whatever you want. Just, just, just chuck it in. We'll have it. We'll have the gore. We'll have the birds. Yeah. We'll have everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was probably the best move for them, wasn't it? Oh yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. And it's weird seeing nowadays. Like we're just so used now to Nintendo being open to anything. It's sure. Like yeah, it's yeah, it's uh, that was a very significant game. It's um, in terms of censorship and yeah. Yeah, it really kind of with, with Doom as well of the of the same year. Oh. It feels like ninety three was the the kind of catalyst. For the more gory, bloody games, I think your Mount Rushmore is probably Doom, um, Mortal Kombat, Night Trap, and <laughs> GTA. <laughs> <laughs> Night Trap is hilarious, <coughs> but that's for another time. Uh, yeah. Um, number two was Aladdin for the Mega Drive Super Nintendo, um, and number one, 
Uh, any guesses? I don't think you do, do you? Um, I've gone I... blank. <laughs> I wouldn't have a clue. I'm going to kick myself for this. <laughs> I bet I was even thinking about it 20 minutes ago. And it's all <laughs> Should I put you at your misery? It's not a Sonic game, is it? I hope not. No, no, it's not Good. a Sonic game. It was um, the original FIFA International Soccer. Oh, like I, like I would know that. So it begins now, <laughs> no, FIFA. Seriously. <laughs> the of original. Course, of course, FIFA 1. Yeah. I had I good memories. I can't stand football games. I'm so sorry, oh, Rich. Man, I, I know for them. some reason you love them and hate football <laughs> itself, but <laughs> it's so I remember you getting so passionate about your you playing FIFA and other football games. And I used to sit there and go like, okay, righto. I never understood it. I never will. I've never tried. <laughs> I ISS 64 for life. Oh. Oh. oh, man. Such a great genre. I love them. I mean, the, 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 this particular game was... Um, I, I mean, it's, it's just one of those games I, I played and played and played. And I remember when it first came out, it was, it was hard to find. Mm. Um, and it took me a few shops to actually get a copy. But, um, yeah, I, I played this. I can remember um, ha- having the music on... Um, playing FIFA and then obviously when my mate came round um, we, we would just play FIFA all day and um, it was great it was just a great game and like if you found the right there was a trick wasn't there if you, if you did something right at a certain point you was guaranteed to score but I, I don't know that oh, I can't remember what it was now <laughs> I'm sure there's something or other but yeah look, and look how it's um, and look how it's evolved I think I'd rather go back to the to this version do you? They're more fun. You can get away with some stupid shit in the old football games. I always mm. remember um, Adidas Power Soccer on the PlayStation when you could just run up behind the goalkeeper and just like drop kick him in the back and get an instant red card. You'd <laughs> <laughs> be standing there about to kick the ball, like the you know ball wouldn't even be in play, and you just run up behind him, drop quick, boom, red card. Now it's like you can't even slide tackle a goalie. It's it's boring. The control just it takes over the controls and doesn't allow you to get within certain distance. It's no fun. It's yeah, like no. that. Yeah. Oh, well. yeah. It's all too serious these days. Yep. It's all too it's all too too realistic. Yeah. It kind of saps the fun away a little bit. I don't like playing FIFA anymore. Have they got VAR um, in it yet? Or not that I'm aware of. Um that's, that's coming. Probably. But um I mean yeah. I play I used to play FIFA with my with my son and um when he was younger obviously it was great because he was rubbish and <laughs> I could probably guarantee to win every time unless I let him um, but now the tables have turned and he's actually much better than me and it's very, mm. very frustrating. And that's that ki- that's why, kids, that people like us don't do online gaming. Yes. Because exactly. we respawn and we get killed within seconds <laughs> oh, over mate, and over again. If I played FIFA online, I'd get annihilated and I am not mentally prepared for that at all. So mm. I'm not even going to bother. I remember, was it like three years ago or four years ago, I finally decided to go right to try uh, you know, GTA Online. And I was like, that's a mistake. I was on it for half an hour and I've never been on it since. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, screw you. Like, <laughs> I just can't be asked. There's so many yeah. people in so many different levels that I'm just like, nope, have your game, go and run your little world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the only time I dabbled recently was Smash Brothers and I quickly gave up. Yeah. Like, nope, I'm shit. No, yeah. Smash yeah. Brothers is another game I cannot play. I mean, I'm, I'm rubbish yeah. at it anyway, but yeah. um, if I play it against my kids, they're much better at it than me and it's just not a fun time. So no. It's then, just no. not... It, it's like South Park did it perfectly in their World of Warcraft episode, didn't they? The guy who has no life. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. Sitting there, clicking away, sniping people and killing it just straight off. It's like, 
Yeah, I'm not much of an online player um, anyway. I'm, 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 I'm too old school. I'm quite happy with my single player, yep. single kind of experience kind of games. Yep. Um, Agreed. Yep. Agreed. Excellent. Well, that's the top 10. We've got a bit of an idea now what's been happening in 1993 in the games. Um, so for what's next for us um, is to play a game. But it's not the awards game. It's a different game. Ooh. Are you, are you ready? Yes. We're, we're going to play... Because the awards game is such a wonderfully innovative title, let's just play the general knowledge game, shall we? So I have six categories in front of me on um, with how many questions do they have on each? They have eight questions on each Jeez. card. Um, don't worry, we're not going to ask all eight questions. We'll be here all night. 56 questions like that. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? I've got to know the maths. I've had a beer, so I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> 56, that's what I said. So what we're going to do, um, we're going to get one of you to choose what card, um, what category, and then what question to ask, and then we'll just see how this goes, shall we? Yes. So Chris, can you give me um, a category you want to do between movies, music, toys and games, TV, pop culture, or sports? Toys and games. Toys and games. Right. Rich. Can you give yes. me a number between one and six? Um, five. Five. So I have card five in front of me. Um, Chris, give me a number between one and eight. Two. Okay, here is your question. In 1997, Hasbro Interactive released a video game version of which popular word game? Scrabble. Um, I have your answer. It was indeed Boggle. <laughs> okay. Failed. Boggle, boggle. Um, Rich, <laughs> give me. I don't think I've ever played Boggle. <laughs> Nor do I. I played around my nan's house once. Is that not the thing where you have a little dome and you push it down and it I has think the dice so. in it? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no idea. I don't know. Um, board, board games are shit anyway, don't I? <laughs> anyway, continue. Uh, Rich, give me a number between one and eight that doesn't involve two. Um. Four. Four. Which yep. construction toy was introduced into the National Toy Hall of Fame in 1996, 1998? Sorry. 1998 construction toy. It'd be obvious to say Lego, but I don't know. I feel like I might. That seems late for Lego to be introduced into that. Do you think so? Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, man. I want, to say, I want to say Wilco Blocks. There you go. Wilco <laughs> Blocks. <laughs> Are you joking? Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, shit. Oh, man. I'm torn between like going Lego, which is obvious, or saying something like Meccano. Um, sorry, I'm going to go for Lego, because I think if it is and I say it isn't, I'm going to kick myself. So, Lego. Rich says Lego. The answer sheet says... Lego, well done, Shit, mate. Hey, hey, yeah. That was glad. 
Kick-Ass. Walker Blocks was the following year. So. <laughs> 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 nice, so that's 1-0 to Rich so far. Um, Rich, give me a number. Uh, give me category, sorry. We've got sports, pop culture, TV, music, or movies left. Yeah, I'm going to go movies. Solid. Play it safe. Movies. Good. Chris, give me a number between 1 and 18. Five. Rich, give me a number between one and eight. Um, three. Number three. Your question is, which iconic horror movie was originally titled Scary Movie before its name was changed to mimic a Michael Jackson song title? I want to say, I'm, I'm positive Scream was originally going to be called Scary Movie. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah hence why the parody went with that title. In a kind of blue harvest kind of way, um, yeah, I'm gonna say scream. I don't remember. Was there a was there a scream by Michael Jackson? Oh, actually, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yes, you were right. It was scream. Sweet. <clears throat> Fire away, <laughs> boss man. Um, oh, all right. Um, number. Give me a number <laughs> between a bit formal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, give me a number between one and eight. One. In The Odd um, Couple 2, friends Felix and Oscar meet again after 17 years. What is the occasion for their reunion? Oh, I don't know. Um, given their age and the comedy, a funeral? Um, no, it wasn't. It was oh. the wedding of Oscar's son to Felix's daughter. Ah. Hmm. Uh, so that's 2-0 to Rich. Sweet. Nice. Awesome. Shocking. Good. Yeah. Um, next category, please, Chris. We've got music, TV, pop culture, or sports. Pop culture. Give me a number, Rich, between one and ten. Mm, go for. Go for ten. Why not? Nice. Um, and Chris, give me a number between one and eight. Five. Number five, which fashion style broke out in mid-1992 with clothing that included flannel shirts, high-waisted ripped jeans and combat boots? Um, uh, would that be the start of grunge culture? Yeah. Are you saying grunge? Yeah. Yep, you're right. It was indeed hey. grunge. Sweet. Nice. Chris has got a point. Well done. Hey. <laughs> Um, Rich, pick a number. Um, That's not five. <laughs> um, two. So, which video game company deemed 1994 the year of the cartridge after selling one billion cartridges worldwide that year? Um, it would have to be. It would have to be Sega. I think it's too. Yeah, I'm gonna say Sega. Sega. The answer book says Nintendo. What the hell? I know, right? That's you rubbish. failed. Cool. Right. Mm. Three categories left. We've got TV, music, or sports. What are you going for, Rich? Um, I'm going to be brave and say sports. Okay. Oh, thank God. I thought I was expecting sports to be like the last one. You get double <laughs> points for this. So. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be fine as if it's Formula One or a FIFA game. It'd be fine. Uh, pick a number between one and six, please, Chris. Three. Number three. Rich, pick a number, please, between one and eight. Um, five. 
American boxer Sugar Ray Leonard retired in 1996 after a career that brought him 36 wins, of which how many were knockouts? Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> that's a question from hell Jason I like that one wasn't it that's something he picked neither it. of us would expect 28 there you go yeah, you're not far off to be fair um, it was 25 damn 25 uh, Chris pick a number mate between 1 and 8 but not number 5 <laughs> 8 Number eight, which Yugoslavian-American tennis player became the youngest ever French Open champion before having her career hampered after being stabbed on court? Oh, jeez. Oh. I, I remember this. Um, I... Uh, I know this. I don't I know. I TV when I got from school. It was mad. I don't remember this at all. I remember this. I remember this too. Yeah. What nationality was she? Yugoslavian-American. Oh, I don't really know tennis players. Um, do Anna Kornikova. I know. Yeah, but that was like she early two thousands, late nineties. Ah, <laughs> oh. I don't know. I can't name any any I tennis know. players. I know. I know. No, I I don't know. You don't know. Rich no. put him out of his misery. It was Monica Seles, wasn't it? It was indeed, Mar Monica Seles. Can't believe, Clifford, can't believe Cliff Richard did that. You learn something new every day. <laughs> okay, so we have music and TV left. Um, Chris, which one? Let's go for TV. Okay. Rich, pick a number, please, between 1 and 13. Jeez, um, 11. 11. Okay, Chris, pick a number between 1 and 8. 2. Name the NBC sitcom set in a small two-airline airport in Nantucket, Massachusetts. Fuck. What? Uh, what? Do you need me to repeat that? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe repeat the show, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, name the NBC sitcom set in a small two-airline airport in Nantucket, Massachusetts. Um, I... Jason, I have no idea. Rich, any idea? Um, I've not got the foggiest. Sarah said, that's completely like, what? I have no idea. Well, the answer was Wings. Oh, Jesus. How did we miss that? <laughs> I never watched it. I know of it. But yeah. the only, the only airport crap. sitcom I've ever known was in the UK or was it in Ireland? They did The High Life with Alan Cumming. Do you remember that? Mm, yeah, yeah, vaguely. That's vaguely. the only kind of sitcom I've know in an airport. <laughs> Shabby. Hmm. Um, Chris, uh, Chris, uh, Rich, pick a number, but not number two. Between one and thirteen, yeah. Between two. one and eight. Okay, shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> nine. Okay, no four. <laughs> number nine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, seriously? Really? Has he got oh, another like, no. easy one? Yeah, I mean, this is like... Oh, my God. Which science fiction series features the characters Odo and Quark? Oh, jeez. 
I don't know. <laughs> is it? Is it? Are you shit? Are you shit? <laughs> I don't know if I can have a clue. Are you, are you actually oh. shit me right now? Babylon Five, <laughs> <or> a, <laughs> like a fucking clue. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's Star Trek. I'm sure Quark. I remember. Bit more specific. Yep. What? What Star Trek? Um, Deep Space Nine. Oh, cool. you're an absolute fucking tall. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping to come in sailing away and... Correct. No, 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 don't... Just stop. You got it, you got it. It was Deep Space Nine. Sweet. You know, that whole that whole show that we discussed for about half an hour on the last episode. Go me. Well, well last... prune tricky. <laughs> get, you're getting there, Rich. You're getting there. Another 10 years, you'll be a true tricky. Yeah, I've been telling that for twenty odd years, and it hasn't happened yet. So I've watched all the Abrams films. Oh shit, they slip off a chair. <laughs> I had to pull my headphones off. Then <laughs> the arm of my chair moved, and I almost fell on the floor. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh dear. All right, last category: uh, music. <laughs> Rich, pick a number between one and eight. You're right, mate. One. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. <laughs> what did you do? One. Uh, it's just, um, yeah. It's all good. It's all good. I'm back yeah. in the room. Right. Which, which singer received the 1998 Entertainer of the Year Award from both the Country Music Association <laughs> and the Academy of Country Music? <laughs> <laughs> You hung way too. You went. You hung way too hard on the first half of that word. Like, of the what? Like, um, 1998 Country Award. Uh, Leanne Rhymes. I'm going to say because I reckon that was it. Um, uh, good guess, mate. But it was Shania Twain. It's always going to okay. be Shania Twain in the late 90s, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, come Shania. On. Yeah. Ah, damn. Okay. Chris, pick a number. Four. Released in 1992, how long did the Boys to Men song End of the Road spend at the top of the US Billboard Hot 100 charts? Was it 11, 12 or 13 weeks? Well, as everybody knows, I'm a massive fan of Boys to Men. Oh, this is the perfect question for you, um, isn't it? I have all of their albums. Mm-hmm. And that, that doesn't surprise uh, no, me. No, I couldn't give a shit, so I'm going for 12. Okay, then. I don't, I don't know any of their stuff. Um, Not one bit. No? Well, I'm, maybe I'm if sure I heard it on did. radio. If I heard it, yeah, but if someone said to me, can you name a Boys to Men song? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, you disappoint me, Chris. Um, but that was wrong. It was 13 weeks. Ah. So there you have it. We have Rich on three and Chris on one. Rich, you win this week's quiz. Well done. Rashed. Go me. Go me. I won a bad game. I enjoyed that. That was good. That was fun. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, with a near fatal uh, accident in the middle. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brilliant. If only we had cameras on that. Um, okay, so that goes on the um, that goes on your um, tally for uh, as another one. So I think you're both level now. Top of my head, I awesome. believe. I think you're seeing a two-two drama. Drama, indeed. The mm. anticipation is still there. All that's left for us to do on this episode um, is just choose, um, have a chat about our video game choices for this year. Um, Rich? Yes? Why don't you go first? Okay. 
Okay, um, for my game for 93, I'm going to go with Rock and Roll Racing on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, it's time to burn rubber with Rock and Roll Racing. One or two player action sends you to six different planets. Pick your racing machines and choose your awesome weapons and blow away the competition with world-famous race announcer Larry Supermouth Hoffman at the mic and some of the greatest rock and roll music of all time, it's time to slam it into gear. With laser cannons, cluster bombs, and super boosters, destroy your opponents. So back off, wimps. This race ain't for no Sunday driver. Um, so this was a game I actually never owned other than when I got it on um, emulator, probably a few years ago um mm-hmm. but i played it a friend lent it to me and yeah i had so much fun uh, with this game it's basically a um combat racing game uh viewed from kind of like a top-down kind of isometric angle kind of plays a bit like a micro machine so you've got like the inverted controls depending on which way towards the screen you're racing it wasn't um, it wasn't completely um top down though was it no it was kind of isometric so you had that yeah. nice little angle on it and it had it made a lot of good use as well of the um i don't think it was using like mode 7 or anything like that but obviously the super nintendo is quite good at handling that kind of quasi 3d kind of plane and some of the textures it kind of gave it a real nice 3d look it really popped um mm-hmm. so yeah it was basically a combat racing game isometric angle but it had a heavy no pun intended but like a rock and roll metal um mm-hmm. theme to it um it did have a number of licensed tracks none of which were credited <laughs> um and i think yeah this among the songs there were bad to the bone uh, you had paranoid by sabbath um born to be wild and they i mean to me yeah when you say this game to me, the first thing I will come to is the music, and it's fantastic. Um, I think, I've always sorry, sorry. I was going to say, I think um, I listened to some of it today, yeah. And obviously, at the time when it came out, it was just what it was. But yeah. uh, for for now, listening to it now, it's so good to mm-hmm. um, like to hear something like that in a in a in a sixteen bit yeah um, version of of these songs. It's actually yeah really cool yeah it's really impressive i mean i know i've always been a fan of the mega drive more when it's come to music there's something nice and jangly and workmanlike about it i've never quite liked that kind of real kind of midi kind of polish that the super nintendo has but the mega drive version of this game that i think came the year later or not long after um it doesn't match up the mega drive's no. going into overdrive trying to keep up and it just doesn't quite work but yeah super nintendo renditions of the songs are just frankly stunning they hold up so well um and yeah i mean i can't just talk about the music on this game it it, it is a great game um it allows up to four players you go around the isometric tracks it's weapon-based combat as well so you're not just racing for position you can take out your opponents with you know a variety of power-ups um the characters the actual like drivers pilots of the vehicles are very very comic bookish so you've got very kind of superhuman characters space aliens that kind of stuff it's very 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 fantastical and over the top 
I believe one character was called uh, Snake Sanders. Yes, that rings a bell. Yeah, uh, which is a reference to a classic hard rock band, White Snake. Oh yeah. <clears throat> the character also resembles White Snake singer David Cov- Coverdale. Yeah, he's he, I, he's a funny dude. That dude is the most like <laughs> yeah. the poshest man you've ever <laughs> met in a metal band. It's so funny. Um, and yeah, uh, so. True to any kind of combat racing game, the idea is that you attack your opponent's vehicles. They've obviously all got health bars, and if you deplete health to the max, you they all blow up. Um, you'll get bonuses for that as well, as, as well as offensive vehicles. You've got more kind of defensive stuff as well, so you can use um, oil slicks. Um, there are snow drifts, um, snow drifts, sorry, uh, <laughs> lava on the tracks different obstacles you have to avoid it's just a lot going on it's a very very busy game but it moves at a nice clip it never seems to lag um as well as the really really cool music you've got a commentator as well in the game yes. by the name of a loudmouth larry um and yeah there are, there's actual speech in the game so he'll make comments as the race goes on he'll be screaming about how someone's car's about to blow shortly before it does um it just makes really good use of the hardware. Um, like I said, I was always more of a Mega Drive kid, but yeah, you can't ignore how much grunt there was under the hood on Super Nintendo, and this game really kind of um, took full advantage of it. Um, beyond the music, visuals, fantastic, speech, fantastic. It, it's just such a good game, and I finally found out recently that apparently this past February it was... Um, <coughs> Re-released on the uh, Switch and the Xbox, so I need to go get this now. <laughs> Part of a uh, Blizzard arcade uh, collection, but oh, I is think it on there, is it? probably get this. Yes, I didn't so, know that. Yeah, it's got the music as well. Apparently, they've they've, they've included the music, but they tell people they told streamers basically to mute the music. So it's clearly on there, which is good. Um, I don't That's... I don't think anyone can make a copyright claim for a, a MIDI version of a song, yeah. but I guess they can. Um, Intellectual yeah. rights, probably, or something. Probably. I still think it's a bit petty. I mean, come on, this is a game from, like, bloody... <laughs> maybe 30 years ago. I mean... Um, but, yeah, I mean, other than visuals, music... Um, this game was pretty cool as well. There was an actual pad- password system as well, so you could basically... Yeah. Kind of like a lot of the games at the time, you could essentially, you know, um, pick up what you left off if you, you know, turned the game off and went away. Which is good because it's actually quite um, a length. It sounds funny saying saying this for a racing game, but it's actually quite a lengthy game because the seasons will go from planet to planet to planet. So there's there are a lot of races to pack into a season. So your progress is quite important. And unlike a lot of the games at the time, you couldn't just really turn it off and then come back again later. Um, certainly not like now where we are kind of spoiled in that regard um it's just a really really cool game and i said i wasn't really into the music at the time when i first played this i was mm-hmm. whatever i was into pop and stuff so i didn't really have any real like reverence for oh it's uh you know born to be wild and me at the age of 10 9 10 didn't give a shit like i i kind of recognized some of the songs like paranoid probably didn't really click but Bad to the Bone and Born to be, Born to be Wild, yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I appreciated it then. I thought it was really, really cool how they managed to make the music that good. Um, 
And it's such a fun, it's such a fun racing game. It really is. It really, really, really works. Um, yeah, I want to play it again now. Now I know it's on the Xbox and the Switch. I probably wish <laughs> you would get the Switch version. Um, that sounds way I, more suited. I think. I think. Yeah, I think that this game would be amazing on the Switch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, another good thing I think the SNES version had another um, real advantage over the Mega Drive version was the shoulder buttons because. You could kind of tweak your handling around corners using the left, um, the left and right bumpers, and it would kind of give your steering a bit more precision. Whereas obviously the Mega Drive didn't have that, so you were fully reliant on the D-pad. So it's a bit, bit more twitchy and not quite so precise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for this kind of racing game, um, viewed from the angle it was, I thought that was a really, it played a really big part in the playability of it. it it made it more fun and it and less frustrating which i imagine it would have been on the mega drive without that um yeah it's, it's a really really great game um and i want to go play it again now i'm talking about it, <laughs> it <laughs> I, i'm kind of kicking myself in in quite a lot of ways because i never really knew this game existed um mm-hmm. i did I, it completely um went past me when at the time it was released um and i never really knew anything about it until maybe last year um really wow yeah i never really knew much about it i didn't know like i said i didn't know it was a a thing um and it's only because i heard people talking about it on another podcast um and, and how much they they loved this game and since then, it's kind of come up in different places, and it was quite funny that you chose the game for for this episode. Um, but looking at some videos of it today on YouTube, um, yeah, I'm really kicking. My, I think this is kind of game I would have had a lot of fun with um, uh, when I was back back in the day. Um, but, but like you say, with the music and and everything else, and just just the the the, the kind of isometric, like you say, the viewpoint as well. Because I I, used to, I love Micro Machines; it was a great game, and I just think this would have been right on my street. Totally kicking myself. Chris, do you have much to say on this? I've never played it. I'm honestly like, I until Rich mentioned it, I've just looked looked it up. I'd never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being, I'm being serious. Like yeah. the only the only game I recognised when you just mentioned Micro Machines, I was like, yeah, I played Micro Machines quite a lot as a kid. <laughs> yeah, you know? it- but I wasn't. I didn't really have a gaming sort of thing at this point in my no. life. I don't think. Sure. It wasn't quite there. Yeah. Um, if at all. <laughs> so. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I think, and when you mentioned the weapons as well. Uh, which definitely kind of like made it more interesting for me. Um, from the videos I saw, they had like um, like little laser guns. Um, mm-hmm. And was there any other weapons that they had on there? Can you, do you know? Um, I think the lasers the one I remember primarily. Um, damn, what else was there now? Did they have rocket launchers? Yeah, it was that kind of. It was very kind of your standard stuff. I don't remember yeah. anything like crazy. It wasn't like that kind of like cart game kind of weapons you know it wasn't eccentric kind of ott stuff it was quite i want to say grounded is probably the wrong word to use but um <laughs> yeah you have i think there were things like energy blasts and um, that kind of stuff um might you know you'd have the rear um, rear weapons like mines and stuff and um um like um 
oil slicks, um, slip sauce, that kind of stuff. It was, um, yeah. And you'd have other power-ups as well, so you'd have like nitro boosts and um, jump jets as well, so you could basically take to the air and get a nice little boost. Um, yeah, that was cool. Outstanding pick, yeah. I love it. Really, um, I'm really seriously going to look at that. Do, do you can buy the game separately in that Blizzard thing, or do you have to buy the whole lot? I think you have to get the whole thing, unfortunately, because oh, okay. I, I passed up on Lost Vikings. I don't give a shit about that. Uh, <laughs> Never played it, never will. Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's funny. I've got a trivia that, uh, that mentions the Lost Vikings. Um, yeah. o- Olaf the Stout is one of the main characters in the Lost Vikings, another game developed by Silicon and Synapses, uh, which is now Blizzard, and published yeah. by Interplay. He makes a cameo appearance in Rock and Roll Racing as a secret character. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah, that, I remember seeing him now. Yeah. That has a plus one ability. Uh, improvement and no weakness on all four skills acceleration top speed cornering and jumping of course because of this he is unbalanced with the other characters so using him is sort of cheating to play as olaf first navigate to tarquin hold l button plus r button plus select button before pressing right d-pad the gba version uses the same code oh okay there was a gba version too yeah, yeah, that's um, news to me. I think it was like to mark the tenth anniversary. I think they released it in twenty. I really don't know why this game just went past me. I'm really gutted. Crazy. Um, a character in the game is called uh, Jake Badlands. This is a reference to guitarist Jake E. Lee, who played in the hard rock band Badlands. That was quite an inspired name then. Um, and the. <laughs> The game was originally made as a sequel to RPM Racing, Radical Physics, Psycho Machine Racing for the SNES, and and its working title was RPM 2. However, the developers eventually decided to add the rock soundtrack and change the title to turn it into a new IP. Banging. Um, It's got a 8.1 rating on IMDb, so it's definitely highly recommended. It's a highly rated game, That's and great. Um, yeah, and it's got the uh, "What's wrong with Wolfie?" seal of approval. Ooh, we have a seal now, do we? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I just made it up. Um, <laughs> cool. Well, let's go over and um, let's talk about my choice next. And uh, my choice is Daytona. So it's turning into a bit of a, a, a racing episode, isn't it? it um, is. Yeah, Daytona. Well, 
Daytona has got a special place in my heart, the, the arcade version, because um, we used to, every Saturday we would go to Romford and uh, the Debenham store randomly would have an arcade on the top floor and in that arcade would be a four-player Daytona machine and we just used to spend ages just playing this game um, and I don't really know what it is about Daytona that really gripped us was it the first kind of like big multiplayer game that you could play with four people or more what do you think um, yeah I guess I mean my earliest memory of this is yeah just probably like a lot of people in the arcade um, yeah. and just how even by like Sega arcade standards just how kind of a really like aggressive game it was like um, just the kick and the steering I, everything was just mm. there, there's there's arcade brash and then there's like Daytona it's just so it's weird I, I've never I've never actually been a big Daytona van I, mm-hmm. I can't I can't lie um, it's it's a shame it's a series I've always kind of wanted to really get into I mean I've been playing it on the Dreamcast recently and I don't know what it is I not the biggest fan of the handling it's I find it too kind of just arcadey in a way and a bit too leery um, and a bit I don't know I don't know what it is I, I, I must be missing something hmm. um, maybe I need to be sold on it so uh, Jason over to you <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, like you Rich like the only exposure I had to that was when we used to go down to um, the coastal towns from Faversham when it had the arcades oh. Like we never had anything like that in Faversham. I think the only arcade machines we had were like in, the, you know, well, I don't think we did, did we? <laughs> uh, no. Um, and yeah, like Daytona was, you know, always on a sort of a queue of people waiting to get on it. And but yeah, I was not really like Rich, not really ever kind of delved into it properly. Never had the opportunity. <clears throat> I don't, I don't know what it I think it may be like the, the music helped a lot with this game. It had such a fantastic soundtrack. Yeah. And I think like where that's just blaring at you full volume as you're driving around. And you've got the... Um, did it have a commentator? I believe it had a commentator kind yes. of going on as well. And the whole combination of the of that music and the sound and the the aggressiveness like you mentioned with i didn't really have a problem with the hand i quite like the way that the steering wheel kind of like vibrated and yeah gave you that feedback mm. with with how you were driving um the whole combination together with the graphics as well it just it was just something that you couldn't have at it was just something that you, you didn't have at home at the time mm-hmm. and it was it was it was just a, a multiplayer experience that it was never never been experienced before and that's probably why it's such a game that's so special in a lot of people's place isn't uh, in a lot of people's hearts yeah. um, and um, like I say just just the, the game resonates with me in a way that it has those memories of us doing that and spending our time and um, I, I think I quite like it as well because I had half a chance with this one well I wasn't getting completely thrashed every time <laughs> I thought it was the best kind of game <laughs> yeah and um, 
I think the other thing that appealed was um, you were playing against just random strangers as well. Like, it, you know, like you'd just be playing with your friends if you was at home playing on uh, Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter 2. Whereas, and you obviously kind of got to know the way in which your friends would play. Whereas at the arcade with Daytona, if you was going to play against uh, just a random person, you never really knew what he was going to get. Very true, very true. I mean, and that, I think the whole um, way that the race started as well, it just built up the anticipation, actually, of the race that was to come. You know, you yeah. get the big screen with gentlemen start your engines and then like you could hear all the engines starting to um, rev up because obviously it was like a rolling start. And then... So you mean, so you have a, so it was a what, sorry? Is that properly? <laughs> well, uh, that's rolling gen- start. Oh, okay. Rolling start. No, because that, that you, you do it perfectly, Rich. That was beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, yeah, with the with the rolling stones. Thank you. It's better. Thank you. Um, just all that kind of stuff together as well with like everything else that I mentioned. It was just, just the whole thing was just just amazing. I think I was always more of a, I was more of a, a virtual racing um, Sega Rally guy. That kind of really scratched my itch that's why I enjoyed more um I just don't know what it was and I, I know I'm close to loving it like I said the Dreamcast version is fantastic um but yeah still what, what kind of makes the Dreamcast version different better on the whole scene like a lot of things I think it just felt truer to the arcade experience and not going to take away from like you know Saturn and anything like that, but and maybe it's sacrilege. I'm sure there's some Saturn people out there like Saturn version is the best, but yeah. for me, yeah, the Dreamcast always feels more true, like in terms of how it captures the arcade visually, um, just how everything moves a lot. I think just feels faster, and it's it's yeah, there is more grunt under the hood, so and it's running on you know. Um, the um, how was it? Uh, the Naomi board as well. So it's similar architecture to the arcade um, cabinets. So yeah, the game is just it feels more faithful to what you played in the local arcade mm. or you know Planet Laser and um, that kind of stuff. <laughs> it just um, yeah, it, it just it really feels like the arcade's in your home and you're not spunking one pound coins every <laughs> five minutes. Um, that that which is, is always true. a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. like um, what I mentioned as well, what I haven't mentioned is that the actual the actual sport, because I think that helped a lot as well being NASCAR based, yeah. um, because it was some it was yet yeah, especially back then with no internet and you you never really knew, I didn't really know that NASCAR really existed. I didn't really know that kind of that style of racing. Yeah, um, and that probably was probably the biggest appeal for me. I guess thinking about it. Because, you know, now we know everything because everything's on the internet and it, the world is a lot smaller place where mm-hmm. back in 1993 it was, a, it was a much bigger world and America seemed like this 
magical land where all these treats came from, if, if you know what I mean, like with the films <laughs> and yeah. TV shows and everything else. Um, yeah. And obviously we knew things like baseball and American football existed and, and stuff like that, but um, I guess for a, for a um, teenage boy didn't really know much about that did we or all that kind of uh, sport so nascar was probably you know completely new to us oh absolutely absolutely yeah it was a bit of an education um i, I could say maybe virtual racing is more reminiscent of like uh, champ car and uh, indycar at the time but mm-hmm. i think a lot of people would have just seen that and thought oh that's formula one and yeah yeah would have been curious. It would have, it would have felt relatable, unlike uh, Daytona, which was this, like you said, kind of this odd um, discipline of racing. It wasn't, you know, banger racing on a Sunday afternoon like we were used to. It was something mm-hmm. else. It was, you know, beacon American, and which is always uh, exciting growing up. Did you did you know that in the game they they had an adaptive difficulty? So, like, on the first lap of each race, um, the game measures the skill of the player and adjusts <laughs> the, the, the difficulty of opponents accordingly. So for, That's crazy. So, for less skilled players, opposing cars open lanes for the player, while higher skilled players have to deal with opponents that block their path. Additionally, the game's physics included realistic driving mechanics, including drifting and power sliding. The, the steering wheel in the arcade cabinet utilises force feedback so players felt the collisions and the bumps. I never actually knew that about the game that had that adaptive difficulty built into it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I won't lie, I didn't know that either. And that's something now that's obviously quite common in like sports games. You, know, you, you chuck in a FIFA or something, it's saying to you how it's going to essentially you know, um, monitor your performance and adapt accordingly. So yeah, it's quite revolutionary in a way at the time. And I think hearing that, and then that kind of like made me, um, you know, with like how I said I had half a chance in this game, and that that kind of um, <laughs> kind of answers that, that that phrase in a way, I guess, because it had that adaptive difficulty. Mm. Yeah, no. I don't um, why I'm still so shit then. I thought it'd be easy. Surprising. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and and it mentioned in the drifting as well, and I, I do remember the drifting, and I think that was either, uh being reminded of it now was probably the other thing that I quite liked about it when I actually managed to nail the drift, mm-hmm. especially in that last corner of the uh, beginner course. Yeah, I remember that now, and I was always very happy when I actually managed to nail that corner on a drift. It was a really good feeling. Have you been you've been in into any more of the recent kind of. Um very, very, very um, arcadey racing games that have kind of tried to capture the kind of feel of these kind of games. Um, you've got like your hotshot racing, then you're uh, maybe not so much Horizon Chase Turbo, but there's something hot, there's something about hotshot hot shot racing that kind, kind of gives me very, 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 very faint Daytona vibes. Um, and yeah, I do is- enjoy it for that. That is one game I have played, and yeah, I do agree with you. Um, it's very much on the um, concentrating on the drift, drifting in that game. Yeah, um, and it's got that kind of real kick. It's not like a like with a ridge racer kind of drift. It's got that more kind of real kick to it, like yeah. Daytona has, which yeah, I, I find it easier to handle and more enjoyable than Daytona. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I see the kind of the you know the DNA there. It's uh, 
Yeah, because in, in Hot Shot, the, the drifting is a bit of a, a challenge to master with the mm. controls. But then when, once, you've, once you've nailed it, once you've figured it out, um, and, you, and you can actually get round a corner with, with quite a good drift, um, the game actually opens up quite easy and makes it quite really interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, that's definitely a good... Yeah, I agree with what you're saying with that. Um, I haven't played Horizon. T- uh, what, what was the other one? Sorry, Horizon Chase Turbo. Oh yes. my god, that game's so good! <laughs> like you need to get that. It's um, a, it's straight up a masterpiece. Like I cannot stress, you need to get that game. It's so one of the best arcade racing games of all time. It's phenomenal. Well, get it, get it, get okay. it, get it, get it, get it. That's two on the list. Horizon it's Racing. Bloody challenging as time goes Is on. It? There. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. It's funny. It's funny you should bring daytime rock because uh, I don't know if you have you listened to the one of the most recent Laser Times, Rich. They talk about Outrun. Um, not recently. No, 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 no. I haven't. It, it's just a really good episode, and just listen to you talk about Daytona and like me, sort of very rarely playing that game. Just brings back to memories of Outrun on the Mega Drive. And I always remember being amazed at the graphics difference when you find those games in the arcade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. always as a kid, I, I could never understand why does it look so much better in this cabinet than on the TV? <laughs> and it's only when you get older you realise, yeah, because they've got a shitload more processing power in those mm-hmm. cabinets. But it never yeah. occurs to you because as a kid you assume that it's just a TV and a console strapped into a big box. Yeah. Exactly. It doesn't occur exactly. to you that the whole of that big box is <laughs> the processes and hard drives to run it. Yeah, the only thing you see that's different is the fact it's got a big chunky stick and big chunky buttons. You know, yeah, and you the graphics think, oh. are so much better yeah. and the sound's amazing. And it's like, yeah, absolutely. It's been yeah. a long while since I've done anything like that, so I have to, I have to revisit them. Beautiful. Um, I don't have a uh, a rating for Daytona because I couldn't find it on IMDb, but I'm just going to give it a nine out of ten. Um, So let's just move on to our last pick, and that's uh, Chris's. Chris, what have you chosen for video games of 1993? Well, it's purely for nostalgic and memory value, and that's uh, X-Wing on the PC. Being able to not only pilot an X-wing, or with the there was an expansion or something like that with the B-wing cockpit as well. Yeah, there was. I remember that. Um, you could either unlock or expand with the B-wing cockpit, and obviously like, all these sort of battles took place in space. And I remember being amazed at the kind of like the 3D environment you could navigate around in three dimensions. And just fight TIE fighters and sort of go around sort of star destroyers and you got planets and stars in the background. It was just as a, like a nine-year-old. You're like, wow, like <laughs> this is what you can do on this game. You can literally have a space dogfight. 
in the Star Wars universe. And I remember the, the you know the animated menus and the way you could choose your um, was it you could choose different was it different difficulties but it was you could choose different not medals what was it different patches or something like that couldn't you? I don't remember. <coughs> you you get onto the main menu screen you get the introduction and the sampled music from the films. Um, apparently, uh, after choosing a pilot to a pilot file to play the player is presented with a concourse aboard that was it. Yeah. the uh, Mon Calamari Star Cruiser Independence mm. and then you can choose between flying in a proving ground historical simulator or tour of duty mm, that, yeah I just I just have vague memories of the menu screen and and like you Jason I've now got you know f- everyone's Wikipedia up at the moment refreshing my memory again but <laughs> I just remember the, the cockpit it was just kind of like this you know I can't even remember it was sort of slightly animated and you had a targeting system and but it's quite detailed it looks quite detailed yeah for what it was yeah and when it was made it was crazy the targeting computer in front of you would sort of like you know work exactly how you'd imagine it to and you just had strafing TIE fighters and stuff, but the way the background would move when you move was just mind-boggling because I'd never really had a game like that where you're in this cockpit box and the scenery's moving around you as if it's real, and it's just it was crazy. And I don't remember playing it that often, but sort of like now and again we'd play it like early in the morning when obviously being kids you're up before the adults nine times out of ten, and we'd be in the kitchen and you know fire up the uncle's computer and this is you know before internet history existed and uh, <laughs> um but yeah i just remember being fun and just playing star wars was just this like little it basically took your toys as a kid and said this is what you can do with them on a computer and in a way it was kind of like the flash forward of what you get with star wars battlefield now and i don't know if anyone's played star wars battlefield um. Yes. Um. Yeah. Both of them. I mean, the recent ones. I always forget. Yeah, the recent recent ones. Yeah. Yeah. I, um. They're phenomenal. Um. Yeah. I liked the first one more. Saying about the second one didn't quite click for me. I don't know what it was. Yeah, I think I, I liked had, the simplicity of the first one. I think uh, the only one I had was Battlefield Two, and I. It was just. It was one of those fully immersive games that you like. I'm playing as a stormtrooper, <laughs> and you've got these tasks. But it was like the forerunner of that game where you had the dog fights and you'd be in an X-Wing or you'd TIE fighter and you'd be having dog fights above these cities on Tatooine. Or It's just crazy the fact that you could have this precursor and then now have this fully immersive, smooth as hell, realistic graphics in what you have now with Star Wars Battlefield. And then later on, the most memories I have is a game that came later on. And it was called uh, Rogue Squadron. I think it was like, oh. when was that? 97, 98 on the PC? Yeah, there was um, there was Rogue Squadron on the N64, wasn't there? Yeah. Oh, it was on PC as well, I remember. Right it there. was on PC, and that was... the. I remember... I always used to get confused between X-Wing and Rogue Squadron, because I always thought it was the same game, until I got a bit older, <laughs> and then got my own copy and realised, hang on a minute, no, it was two completely different games. Because your memories are weird as when you're, you know, you're young and you sort of you just fuse together. 
And I just had these memories of flying this X-Wing on Rose Squadron through the canyon. Yeah. And you're you're trying to dodge the sort of rocks on the side of the canyon and you're shooting at the enemies either way or fly, or you're flying the X-Wing. And I just remember just being amazed. I could sit there for hours playing these games. Space battles on a computer and you had sound effects and the music and then the kind of the cutscenes between uh, your sort of levels that you work your way through and... Yeah, it was just a fantastic little experience as a nine-year-old or ten-year-old playing these games on the PC and then going home and realising that you can't do it at your own house because it, it made that kind of experience special in a way. You know, yeah, kind of similar like, to Doom earlier on, playing it on a friend's PC. And I was yeah, like, I can't yeah. go home and play some Mega Drive. It's this complete <laughs> anomaly, this thing I probably want to play again and obviously now you take it for granted you know you can play doom on a fucking fridge for god's yeah. sake it's yeah like- <laughs> exactly and i i just remember going like oh we're going we're going to we're going to london for a week or two this summer holiday and you think to yourself oh my god like my cousin's got all this stuff that we don't have and you get really excited that like you go into their house and you're like wow they've got like these toys that you will never have or you've got these computer games or consoles or silly stuff like that kind of affects you as a kid when you're growing up because you're like mm-hmm. it becomes a novelty and you you associate that event or thing with that holiday and it sticks with you it's like a yeah it's like a mile marker it's like a landmark <laughs> you know and it was always like you know and every time we went my uncle had had you know obviously accumulated a different game or or a higher powered pc or a download or you know track whatever more games onto the system and it was just one of these things that like wow <laughs> like don't have this at home and you're gonna you and you try and log like every minute of every day that you can because you know that you'll be saying goodbye to it within a few days and it's crazy but yeah it was, it was more nostalgic memories and happy memories than it was actual gaming memories and that sounds really strange no i mean but, i think it was pretty that game i mean from what i remember playing a bit very <coughs> kind of somewhat briefly it was kind of a bit revolutionary as well because i mean obviously the environments feebly kind of touched upon it a bit but like when you see like the planets and like the, um you know you've got like the um, meteorites and stuff yeah you've got yeah. the actual meteorite um mm-hmm. what you call them fields like they're actually it's got that kind of like somewhat polygonal kind of um vector graphic kind of look it's yeah kind of proper yeah. like early 3d mm-hmm. um the I know the cockpit was more kind of your know, standard kind of s- somewhat sprite based affair. Yeah. It was more two D, but yeah, it was kind of like that first feeling you got when you played um, Star Wing on the SNES for the first time. It just was like, yeah. Ooh, this is where games and are going. Um, it was it was kind of like this is going to be a really random tangent. The other day, I was watching a sort of review or breakdown of Street Fighter two, uh, Streets of Rage two. And they mentioned that they added a few different animations and background details, but the the main thing they added was a foreground movement. Okay. Where the camera would move, and it's kind of like how Disney pioneered the um, the zoom camera, where different parts of the foreground were painted on the sides. So when the camera zoomed in, it gave the illusion of depth. Okay. Do you know that technique I'm referring to? Yeah, it's like forced perspective, and Disney developed it where it's like three or four frames, or you could put as many frames as you want, and you paint the foreground on translucent cells. Yeah, okay. so different parts yeah. of the foreground. So you'll have say hedges, hedges right at the front, and then trees, and then boulders, and then more trees. So when 
the camera zooms into the background plate, you have the illusion of depth of field as you, as 3D vision. I and, think I know what you mean. I'm trying to, I'm kind of picturing it. Yeah, the only way yeah. I can visualize how this game did that was instead of just being static by putting you in the cockpit and having that the static pit part, you're essentially moving around the 2D environment with the illusion of 3D. It's just trying to work it out how they did it. It's just or how they got the effect. It's just sort of that's the only way I can relate to it in a real world sense. No, I gotcha, gotcha. And I just remember, I can't remember, could you even look left and right in the cockpit? I don't think you could. I think it was just I... static felt forward facing, wasn't it? Because I don't yeah, think I'm pretty the, sure. the, we the 3D, the the 3D environment wouldn't have been, you know, we're a few years off the N64 technology kind of like blowing everything out of the water. And... Yeah. Can you remember if this game had much like, um, uh, like voice acting in it or, or, or the sounds that the, the game included? No, I watched a quick sort of re- like five minute sort of review breakdown of someone talking about it earlier this afternoon, but I can't remember if there's any voices. Was it subtitled with music? I can't remember if there's any voice acting. Yeah, that I don't remember. I don't remember. Wasn't any like um, Akbar in there? Was that usually at least cram him in at least? <laughs> but well, you got the you know the calamari reference in there. Very true. Very true. <laughs> Tarkin's voice isn't it apparently um, not obviously not the Tarkin but someone playing him oh Akbar's in it who knew what a shocker <laughs> okay there were two different versions there's a floppy disk version I'm pretty sure the floppy disk version wouldn't have had the voice programmed in a, surely there's a voice okay they've got Luke Vader Tarkin Akbar yeah. and Dodon yeah, I've just <laughs> I've just read the same thing that's great I don't remember that have you played any more of the... Um, uh, is this one of these games they've recently like, re-released? I think it's on kicking around Steam at the moment, but I just there's so many Star Wars games they've re-released in recent years, like remasters. You've got your, you know, your Episode 1 races and your Jedi Academies. And I, I don't know if they've actually gone back to like the whole X-Wing, TIE Fighter, and X-Wing versus TIE Fighter series or not. Oh, X-Wing but, versus TIE Fighter. Now, that was... I don't yeah. think I ever played that. I remember watching trailers and videos and just being like... Wow, <laughs> but yep. never, never owned it, never played it. Unfortunately, I think I think the closest we've got to in modern gaming, um, not bringing back the old ones, but just in Star Wars Squadrons, wasn't it? Where you've got that kind of uh, flight sim. Yeah, no, that that was that was a crazy game. I didn't quite get on with it. I'm not gonna lie. Um, don't know what, what it was. Was but, it the controls? Yeah, there's a lot. I just, I want simplicity. Me, I'm a simple person. It looks. Stunning, fantastic, but I just was like, this is too much. You're giving me too much to do. I just want yeah. yeah. to apply thrust and, you know, air brake. Shoot people. Exactly, exactly. Um, well, like you mentioned, Chris, X-Ring was originally released on floppy disks in February of 1993. Mm. Um, later that year, LucasArts released the Imperial Pursuit and B-Wing expansion packs on floppy disk as well. Um, a six-tour off-duty set, including the Rebel Alliance's time at... Echo Base was planned but never produced. The medals case of the game was also designed to hold a sixth campaign ribbon, row and medal. Some of the material for the sixth tour of duty was later incorporated into the X-Wing Special Edition and also the later game TIE Fighter. Ah. Um, and, yeah, and 
LucasArts released TIE Fighter Space Combat Simulator in 1994, the same year it released the collector's CD-ROM edition of X-Wing. So it didn't finally make it onto CD. Oh, I just... Like you, I've just gone to a bit of like, trivia here. Uh, listen to this, kids. This is what we used to do before DLCs. <laughs> Owners of a floppy disk version could send... And... Uh, what was it? Could send payment and the back of their instruction manual to LucasArts California and receive a special gold edition of the CD-ROM version which included the game on a golden CD-ROM and a free gift. Free gift. There you go. Yep. Back <laughs> in the day, cut, was to, you used to was, cut that, your instruction manual to pieces, send it to America <laughs> and hope to t- God they'd send you this <laughs> golden CD-ROM version with that. That must have took a few weeks. <laughs> so, yeah, send payment Oh my god, that's mad. Jesus. The things we used to set off for, eh? Registration cards, remember those things? Those games consoles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you need to sign into your account and then boom, done. <coughs> oh. Fan it's clubs. on your phone now, you just go, oh, boom, download. Oh god, days. Fan clubs, that's the thing I used to sign up for through the post. Ooh, you get all I this stuff. Never a member of any fan club, believe it or not. Wasn't my I thing. Was- I was a gold member of the Lego Club, um, and that was it. <laughs> I think that was it, actually. I mean, like, I may have probably considered, like, probably Star Trek or James Bond or or something like that, but I'd never actively signed up for any fan club, ever. Yeah, fair enough. And, I, and it's kind of weird, because people sort of judge me as a character to that kind of person. I'm like, no, I've never... <laughs> I don't know why, I just never felt the interest or need to do it, but... It was probably a wise move. You just got a load of shit, and then you never used it. It went in the bin, and then you got a shitty magazine every t- every now and again, which had uninteresting stuff in. So yeah, um, Chris, thanks for bringing bringing that game to the show. Anyway, um, just just to round it off, then that um, X Wing on IMDb also got an eight point one out of ten. So um, yeah, another highly rec- highly regarded uh, game from the nineties. All that's uh, left to say, really, is just to just to thank you, listeners, for uh, putting up with our shit. Um, as always, we appreciate you spending your time with us. Um, please, you can find the show on all major platforms. And if you enjoyed the show today, then we would love it if you could leave us a uh, rating or review on your preferred podcast service. Um, give us a subscribe or a follow on Apple Podcasts, as that's what they do these days. Um, if you have any feedback, good or bad, about the show, then please get in touch by emailing us at thewolfypod at gmail.com or you can let us know on Twitter at wolfypod or on Instagram as well at the same. Um, you can also find us on Facebook and all the links can be found in the show details including our personal Twitter handles or you can find everything including every episode at thewolfypod.com. Guys, any final words before we go off? Um... Gonna pull you up on something. What's in your glass? Thank you very much for reminding me. I meant to ask you that because I I realised halfway through the show that I'd forgotten to ask you, and I thought I must must remember to ask him before I sign off, and I forgot again because that's my thing. Terrible, terrible. So thank (laughs) you, thank you for reminding me. Please let us know, Rich. Um, We've we've left the listeners in much suspense for the whole show, so Mm -hmm. it better be a Mm -hmm. good beer. Um, Rich, what's in your glass? Um, I'm not drinking something from (laughs) Amundsen Brewery for a change. (laughs) 
I'm drinking um, something from uh, Vault City Brewing, and it is a uh, rhubarb, maple, and pecan sour ale. Um, and it's 8.5%, and it's very, very nice. I'm not a rhubarb person, but yeah, the uh, maple and the pecan's coming through, and it's uh, does smell oh, does smell very rhubarb though. Maple and pecan. Oh. Yeah. Oh, Homer, Simpson, Homer Simpson draw. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. It's very, very nice. So, Who would have thought to put rhubarb with maple? Mm, I wouldn't. Yeah. No. no. Maple's it's... really earthy, and rhubarb's really sharp. That kind of just, yeah... I can see they probably used the rhubarb to make it more soury. I can imagine. Yeah, probably to make it more of a sour. The reason they did it. Yeah, um, but that, that's uh, that's that sounds amazing, Rich. Um, yeah, another another wonderful beer flavour. When when will it ever end? Never. Hopefully. <laughs> when his liver fails. Uh, <laughs> I've got another order in soon. I'm running out. Um, out <laughs> out of ten, Rich, what would you give this beer? Um, I'll give it. Um, uh, I'm give it an eight point nine. I'm gonna go a little bit lower because okay. I'm not a massive sours drinker, but I'm trying to get more and more into it. I'm trying to get mm-hmm. away from the uh, the dark stuff because it's ruining my gut. So <laughs> shit, shitting through the other needle, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds painful. Yeah. When you think speaking of that, think of the amount of Guinness I used to drink when we used to go out. I mean, I must have probably just destroyed my system completely. That it's like pebble dash, seriously. It's, nasty. <laughs> it's like drinking soup, those soup croutons, and put a flake in it for dessert. It's like, I'll tell you what, we did actually. One of my mates managed to balance a two p coin on my Guinness froth once, <laughs> and oh you just think to yourself, just yeah. I shouldn't that be drinking was... this. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do think to yourself like, this is like my like sixth pint this night. This cannot be good if she can balance a two p coin on the top of the drink. Hell <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I mean, what a perfect way to end the show. All I've got left to say is that you've been listening to What's Wrong with Full Feet, a nineties podcast to the max. We'll catch you later. Take care of yourselves, guys. It's chaos out there. Be kind uh, and rewind. Bye. Wolfie, I can hear him barking. Uh, your um, picture that you did of Patricia Roulette, no. um, that you put on, <laughs> that's on Twitter, was very inspired, Rich. You did, did a pic- did you did a picture of Patricia Roulette. Oh God, Chris, I have to put that in our in our little WhatsApp chat later. Yes. Just uh, yeah, just um, obviously because I'm like doing this whole like meet social media blackout. Just send me stuff. I just want to see it. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I was like, um, this is reaction live on air. Still. Yeah, oh. um, I mean, I I saw yeah, that. Yeah, I, go on. I saw the um, rich liked your tweet, and sure. I was like, what tweet? And I looked at it, and this was there, and it was <laughs> classic. <laughs> what the? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, do you know? <laughs> 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 I just... <laughs>
when you <laughs> when you said Patricia Roulette, I was like, there's going to be like multiple Patricias around the roulette wheel. <laughs> Not an actual face <laughs> in the roulette wheel. <laughs> uh, oh, oh no! Well, if anyone's wondering what we're all laughing about, it is on our Twitter um, <laughs> Twitter feed. Um, you just have to scroll down a little bit, and you'll find it, and then you know exactly what we're talking about. Stat, oh. It was either that or it was to um, Patricia Routledge is in a warehouse with a six shooter, but I didn't yeah, know exactly. <laughs> Right. No, this one's better. <laughs> uh, anyway. should, you, should, you, you should have put a bit of motion blur on that, Will. I can work on that. Or, or have a husband, Richard, spinning it from the other side. <laughs> yeah. That's too soon, man. That's yeah. too Mate, soon. Rest in peace, Richard. <laughs> yeah, didn't think about that. I'm sorry. Every, every fan of Keeping Up Appearances out there. <laughs>